Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. Go to Romans chapter 14, and we are right on time with everything we have going on tonight. And uh, just in your spirit right now where we're here, just kind of pray for uh, Brother Nichols and Brother Grant as they preach to uh, the, uh, the uh, young people and then, of course, the children. Uh, we're, we, we're picking up in Romans 13, 14, 13. So we've kind of made our way all the way down in this study in Romans chapter 14. And, and I'm going to go through and I am going to... Um, uh, kind of walk verse by verse and give a generality. We've been talking about in Romans chapter 14, and, and it begins there in verse 1, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputation. Doubtful disputation just simply means that our fellowship of the time that we're together as believers should not turn into a fight. Uh, there, there should not be those who uh, have a belief system. So you're getting ready, we're getting ready to enter into people who believe that they can eat some things, people who believe they can eat all things. And how do these two kinds of people exist in a Baptist church? Uh, now, we're not talking about main doctrines. Uh, we're not talking about if I served wine for the Lord's Supper table and I stood up and I announced, hey, we're serving wine, I promise you, every one of us would walk out. Uh, if, if all of a sudden I had a lady baptized up here, we've got, nope, Nope, I'm done, Pastor. Not going to happen. And uh, if all of a sudden I said, you know, uh, you know, just just in the ESV it says, and I start introducing, there are doctrines that we hold true. But as we're maturing in the Christian life, there are things that God are doing in our heart. We are from different backgrounds. We are from different cultures. But we all must land in, inside Christianity. So Romans 14 is all about how do these two uh, cohabitate how do they coexist inside this thing called church so our church is very diverse and there are some things that somebody says no no that doesn't matter that that's no big deal and then there's some things that somebody says no 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 I, I don't believe that a Christian should be doing that so as we walk through the text but when we come together we are not coming together for the sake of tearing down. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. So you can go back and listen to the previous Bible studies on podcasts and on, and on, the, uh, and on the internet there, but, but just let me review very quickly so we can move on. The Bible says if, if, if you believe that you can eat all things and it doesn't matter, and then there are people who believe they can eat, that they should not eat all, but there are some things they should not, the diets are different. Uh, and when we get to this point, God says, okay, if you are a Romans 14, 5 individual, and if you look at that, the very last phrase there, it says, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. So we talked about this, that if you're like, no, 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 I'm telling you that I don't. So how do these two interact? It is not the position, it is the disposition. Because you're talking about people who love the Lord. 
And what it means is this, is if you and I look at somebody who has a narrow view of life and that they don't do, then the Bible says we are not to despise. We are not to hold in contempt. We are not to make fun of. We are not to belittle. We are not to marginalize. I use the illustration of federal court. And uh, when I was in federal court some years ago, um, as, as a witness, I was sitting there and a man come walking through the back with no suit coat on, no tie. You have to dress this way in federal court. And uh, the judge called him on it. And, he, and then publicly he said, uh, he started laughing and said, really? And, and when he made fun, the judge held him in contempt of court and he was hauled off to the county jail. So understand, if we're going to coexist, we cannot, we cannot start making fun of people who have a narrower view of life. Do you know how many churches lose members because people with higher standards are made fun of? That there are things you believe. So if you are like, I don't think that's a big deal in Christianity, then don't go back to your house and don't see them coming. Don't start the spirit to where you're like, did you see him today? Did you see the Amish people today? Did you see those people? And all of a sudden, when members talk, well, they, you know how they are. And we're the members of the same church? That's not even fair. Because it should not be that way. Then the Bible says, if you believe that they shouldn't eat that because you're over here, then the Bible says, how do I deal with those people? I deal to where I don't judge them. I I don't put them in a box. We're getting ready to to take a twist here, which is going to be very interesting. If people have been following the Bible study up to this point, it's almost as if, so this is a free-for-all. It's not a free-for-all because God, in the verses we're getting ready, he, he twisted on us all. So now, what do we do? We have those who can eat all things. We have those who eat some things, and they believe that a Christian should only eat herbs. And these people over here go, no, 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 you, you can eat anything because it doesn't matter. Now, let me stop and tell you this and just review. Nobody is 100% one or the other. Nobody is hundred. Nobody in this room is so liberal that you. No, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. There are churches who believe doesn't matter. And by the way, they show it doesn't matter. And then there are. Then nobody's total conservative. Now I will tell you this, and I'll say it again. You'd much rather have a more conservative pastor than you than a more liberal pastor than you. And if pastor is more conservative than you then I am commanded if you look there in the verse and I told you I got convicted about this on the night I was teaching it because I never looked at it this way if you look at verse 3 let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth look at it for God receiveth him look where it's put at do you know where this has just been put at there there is a pharisaicalism that exists in people like myself that were very conservative, were raised very conservative, and it's easy to say, well, God loves me more than God loves them. Do you know what the book just said? God receiveth him. Who? The guy who thinks he can eat all things. So this is very mind-blowing when you start thinking in terms of this. So now we we come down to this persuasion. Let every man be persuaded in his own mind. This is where the fights bring in. And people will fight over these things that they are like 
this matters. No, this doesn't matter. Yes, this matters. And this is how churches can't grow in diversity. And if churches do grow with a lot of members in diversity, usually they're growing because they're compromising and the church is attracting, the church is attracting more liberal Christians than it is conservative Christians. But the problem with that is, is that you don't give people room to grow. So now we come back, so this persuasion, well then answers it in, in the next verse number six, he that regardeth the date, look at it, regardeth it where? Unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God what? Thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God what? Thanks. So this persuasion, I'm fully persuaded, and I, and I made fun of a lot of it uh, the last couple of weeks, but, but you, you know what the true test is? Give thanks over it. Lord, I'd like to thank you for this martini, this beer I'm fixing to drink. I would just give them thanks. Stand up in the middle of a rock concert. I'd like to, I'd like to give God thanks for this beat. Then the next time you're cheating, the next time somebody cheats on the wife, I would just, well, I don't, I'm fully persuaded that, that, that in the Old Testament they had multiple wives, and it's okay. Y'all, I'm going to tell you right now, if it's not your wife, you're not supposed to touch her. But if you think you can touch her, before you touch her, get out, take her in the front of the car, and look and say, God, I want to thank you. I'm getting ready to destroy my marriage, and I want to thank you for this opportunity. It says, give thanks. So now we keep walking through. So if our persuasion is not in light of the Lord, so let's keep reading. For none of us live to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Verse 8, for whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord. You're talking about ownership. Listen, it doesn't matter. God owns you. And sometimes, you know what we do? We eat anything, we, we do anything we want to do because we think we own us. No, God owns us. And one day, we're going to give an account. And that's why, verse number 10, he says this, For why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For as it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give, what please, account of himself to God. I think we're going to give an account based on the two greatest commandments. The judgment seat of Christ is coming. And the judgment seat of Christ will be an accounting. This will be calling into account. You don't lose your sonship. You don't lose your daughtership. But I believe before we start the millennial reign and before we get into eternity, all your sins were judged at Calvary, but I think there's going to be an accounting of this. Why did something I own, why was it on that side of town in life, and why did you take the body that I own and you allowed it to be involved? I think you can give an account. And then I think we're going to give an account based on our spirit toward each other. He's going to ask, why, why, why did you do that to your brother? Why were you making fun of what I was doing in his life? And then why were you judging this person that I was still working in their life? I'm going to say that again. You're, we are going to give an account of this. 
why were you making fun of somebody that I had worked in their life? And then he's going to look at, and I'm going to put me in this category, he's going to look at people like me and go, why, why did you judge somebody that I was still working in their life? God's at work. And God is not done working. So, so here you have Romans 14. So how do we get this all done? Look at verse number Verse number 13. Here we go. You ready? Here we go. Let's get into some new territory. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. So now we are absolutely entering into this. He said this, and there's a little phrase there that's very insightful. Let us not therefore judge one another. So now the focus has to be taken off the one who believes they can eat all things. And then the one who believes they can eat all things, whatever area you're in, throw the subject on the table, I probably would tell you, oh, I don't see anything wrong with that. But yet somebody else would say, oh, are you serious, pastor? There's something wrong with that. So then how do we do this? We do it because the Lord's at work in our life, and we're going to give an account. So now, God is going to tell us, stop judging each other. Stop letting your focus be on each other. Look what he says. But, he said, and judge one another anymore. But judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way so now he's saying your focus on how i'm living your brother is now going to help you become more sensitive to how you're living most people don't like this kind of teaching and here's why they don't want to change for the sake of someone else but that's bible because god says okay okay so those that can believe you can eat everything and those who judge everybody you know what he says he says all right let's back up and understand that let me let the people around you help you become more spiritual then he starts getting into this. It's very interesting, if you will, that he used two things here that, that are very interesting. There are two contexts in verse number 13. That no man put a what, please? Stumbling block. Romans 14, 13 at the end. That no man put a what? Stumbling block or an occasion to what, please? Fall. So go to Matthew chapter 7. So, so now we have this, this, this boomerang verse if you will, and um, the boomerang verse becomes self-feeding in a church. So Judges chapter 7 and verse 1, judge not that ye be not judged, okay? Most misunderstood verse in the Bible. It doesn't mean you're not supposed to make judgment calls. What it means is you're not supposed to characterize the person that you throw the flag on. Just don't, just don't roll over and play dead in this life. But there's a difference between saying, no, that's wrong, and then tearing down the person who did the wrong. God doesn't need a proof point of you and I judging somebody to make their sin 
even worse. Let the sin stand on its own two feet. And if they're involved in that sin, then the Bible is very clear. You don't walk with a brother that's disorderly, and you don't hang with people that are, are, are friends of Belial. So look at it. Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? So now the Lord is telling us, if you go back to Romans chapter 14, now he's telling us, look, stop looking at your brother and what's going on in his life and start fixing your life this is hard listen to stay out of people's business is very hard I want you to think back at the last conversations you've had over the last couple of days if your conversations with people have been more about drama than praying for people then this needs to be adjusted because of the fact that God is coming to them in Romans 14 and he's saying, look, you better come back and you better judge this. Uh-oh, that's very interesting. So I'm going to make a statement I wrote down. We are to be as hard on us as we were on somebody else. Mm. So I want you to go to the mirror and tear you down. I want you to go to Facebook, tear you up. I just want to tell you about myself and what a big hypocrite I am and what a terrible person I am, and I can't believe I said that and I can't believe I thought. You know what he's saying? You have it in you to have an opinion. You have it in you to judge. Now, judge yourself and be as hard on yourself as you are on other people. So when this group... Or this, how does a church get along? It's when all of a sudden you stop looking through the window into somebody else's life and you get in front of the mirror for, I didn't mean to point at you, Brother Miss Amaya. It was Brother Miss Hill behind you. And, uh, and, and you get into the mirror and now you look at the mirror and you are to judge yourself on two levels. My life cannot be detrimental to other people around me and there's two levels would you look at it the, the reason why he put two here in Romans 13 14 13 that no man put a stumbling block or, or okay it didn't say it, it didn't say and it said or so now there's two things that we must pay attention to my life is not to be a stumbling block would you go to Leviticus chapter 19 verse 14 we're going to look at the first two times that this word is used in the Bible. And then you'll get the context of what I'm saying. But I feel like I can't give you the interpretation without some more verses. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 14. I, I, love, I love what this says. I always laugh at this verse. Thou shalt not curse the deaf. Every time I read that, I'm like, okay, that's funny. Because you can curse them all you want to. They ain't going to hear you. <laughs> but look at the next. Nor put a stumbling block. What, what is the next word after that, please? What? Before. Okay? So get the context. 
nor put a stumbling block, what? Before. Go to Isaiah 57 and verse number 14. Isaiah 57 and verse number 14. So the word was before. So you don't put a stumbling block before. Isaiah 57 and verse number 14. And shall say, cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way, take up the stumbling block out of the what? Way of the people. So he says this, when you start judging, stop judging other people's diets and start being as hard on yourself with this one. The first thought is this. The Bible says, don't let your life be a stumbling block, which means this. Don't be a life that hurts people's spiritual growth. Okay, stumbling block before the blind. What it means is, is the blind are starting to try to go forward. First time it's used, don't put it to where they trip. They, they, they can't go forward. The second time it's used, he said, the stumbling block needs to get out of the way of the God's people because they have some place to go. If your life and my life is hindering and hurting spiritual growth, then we need to change. It's called apostasy. If we are not helping people spiritually grow, then it doesn't matter what you're used to, and it doesn't matter. You're to change. You and I are to adjust our life not according to what we are persuaded of our own call. Well, this is the way my family's always been. No, 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 no. This, I'm living my life until I, I'm owned by God. Therefore, my life should not hurt somebody's spiritual growth. Case in point. I think everybody needs to be in church. Forsake not the assembly. But I know pastors who take new converts going to a conference that skip church. Now it falls in Romans chapter 14, if you'll go there. Romans chapter 14, and at the very end of, of, of uh, there in Romans chapter 14... He, he talks to us in verse number 16. Look at verse 16. Let not your what? Good be what? Evil spoken of. So all of us in an effort to do good, we can't let what we're trying to be do good be a stumbling block to people who are trying to spiritually grow. Is everybody with me? So now all of a sudden, what are we judging? Romans 14 is this, how do we get along? We get along as a family and as a church, and that's what he's trying to tell the church at Rome. You got to get along because there are people who are Gentiles, people who are Jews, and now they're coming to Christianity. How am I supposed to do this? Everybody's supposed to look at their life. God owns my life. So I just can't do anything I want to do because I'm given an account. I can't despise. I can't make fun of, and I can't put in a box and judge. So what am I supposed to do with my opinions? Use it on yourself. 
And when you and I use it on ourselves, then we have to look, is my life going to stand in the way of somebody growing spiritually? And that's why I so appreciate, I asked the gentleman if I could use this right about now, in, in the lesson, I went to a gentleman and I said, hey, could you teach for me? And he said, Pastor, in all honesty, I think that there are some things in my life I need to get straight, and my life would be a stumbling block. He said, let, let, me, let me kind of work on some things. You know what he knew? If I get up and I become a presence, but my personal life is not in keeping with what God's ownership, then I'm going to hurt somebody's spiritual growth. But there are some people that they'll say, okay, what's the requirements to teach? And you'll put them out there, that's ridiculous. Now, now let's, can we talk about this? If how we're living is not helping people grow spiritually, but who tells us this? The Holy Spirit of God on the inside. Now, I'm not talking about requirements that I as a pastor have to sit down for the direction of this church. But I will tell you, how does the populace get along? You get along by saying this, God, I'm going to be so hard on myself that I'm not going to be a stumbling block to somebody's spiritual growth. I believe there's a lot of slang words that are being used among Christians that are nothing more than cleaned up cuss words among Christians, but that comes out of their mouth every time they turn around and hear somebody trying to grow spiritually in their language and they're used to cussing all the time, and it's like, oh, Oh, so that's okay to say. It's a substitute. It's like when I was growing up, they had near beer. How many remember that near beer? Okay. Near beer. And I can remember a convenience store in the corner of Gilmer Road in Fairmont was the first time we walked in after two a days. And we're standing there. And all of a sudden, my Mark Langston looked at me and he, he said, have you seen that? And I said, what is that thing? Near beer. Not beer. It's near beer. Hey, Mark, what is near beer? He said, I don't know. But you and I both know if we picked that up and brought it back, we'd die. <laughs> so, so understand that our lives cannot be a stumbling block. And so the Lord tells us, look, I own you. Whether you live, whether you die, you don't live unto yourself and you don't die. Unto you. I'm the God of the living and the dead. So what he's saying, I own you from the time you're born to the time you die and everything in between. Now, I'm telling you, you're going to give an account for what you did with my possession and how you treated my possessions. You're going to give an account. And then the Bible says once we give an account, we all are going to fall to our knees and confess that he's God. You know what we're going to say? You're right. You're God. You're in control. Now we have to come to this point, how we live our life in relation with people on both sides is this. There are some things that I believe that I can do as a pastor. I don't think they're wrong. So how am I supposed to do this? If what I do hurts somebody's further spiritual growth, then would you look at the next verse? It says this in verse number 14. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there's nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it's unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not, what, charitably? Do you know what charitably is? Charitably says this, 
I don't have to, but I will because I love. Did you hear that? I don't have to, but I will because I love. That's why charitable giving means that I love the starving people in Africa. So because I love them, I don't have to, but I will. Compulsory standards do not bring out the greatest spirit in a church. Mature Christians are the Christians who do this. I'm going to judge myself. And if what I allow is a stumbling block, then I am going to walk charitably to my brother and I won't do that. But if what I believe becomes a stumbling block, I'm going to show you an amazing verse I never understood until I started tearing apart every word in Romans 14. Look at Romans 14. Are you there? Look at verse 22. Hast thou what? Faith? Where are you supposed to have it? Have it to thyself. Mm. When I started studying this sermon, for this text right here, it's taken me a long time to go word by word, phrase by phrase, and marry a bunch of verses with it. I'm over here going, okay, that's pretty cool. If something I'm going to eat, that's right, those people who can do everything, it's about time they change. Because if they would just change, it would help the spiritual growth of the church. (laughs) And then God over here goes, what about you? There are some things, Bob Gray, you believe. But if it ever came out from the pulpit or in your, out of your face, you would hurt somebody's spiritual growth. Because just because the work God's done in my life doesn't mean he is to that point in somebody else's life. But also, some things in my life that I allow, I need to be charitable enough not to do. You know, my prayer is through this, is that God will work on all of our hearts to understand that the stumbling block is this. It keeps somebody from spiritual growth. Look at the next there. Or an occasion to fall. So now I'm supposed to live my life to where I'm not hurting somebody's spiritual growth, but now I'm to live my life to where I'm not sending them back into spiritual error and sin. So, so I have a twofold, Mary, good to see you again. I have a twofold responsibility with my life. The pressure's on. And all of a sudden, I got a lot of work to do on me. Because of this one fact, I'm not supposed to look pharisaical at anybody. I'm not supposed to make fun of everybody. I'm supposed to take that opinion and that judging and start judging my life to where I am not hurting somebody's spiritual growth, but then I. I am not causing somebody to go back to the pagan temple's idol, pagan temple, and sit down and go back to that lifestyle. So I am not to hurt somebody's spiritual growth, and I'm not supposed to educate people on the world and sin, and I'm not supposed to live in such a way to where I go, they go, oh, what? But this is where we all are. And I think a lot of times we don't let the Spirit of God take over in our life. And we don't give other people the same grace 
for God to work in their life. Look at verse number 15 because we have one minute and we need to be done. So, so, so I am to live. Go to Luke 17, verse 1. I'm sorry. Luke chapter 17, verse number 1. And I would encourage you to study, study out the word offense in the Bible because it, this is very clear. Look at Luke chapter 17 and verse number 1. So I am, to, I am to judge my, I'm looking for two things in my life, not other people's lives, two things in my life. Is anything in my life going to cause somebody not to go forward? And is anything in my life going to cause somebody to stumble back into sin? Luke chapter 17 and verse number 1. Then said he unto the disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck than cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. If a practice in your life would take somebody with that addiction backwards, then I think you need to cut the practice in your life. I want you to think how bold that statement is. I was done here down, down at the altar and a man was visiting. He said, anytime you get to teach and preach on this subject, would you give my testimony? And I said, absolutely. Some men asked him to go on a camping trip up in Canada first time they asked him to go the men went out there and they went to the wilderness great fellowship great time just just wonderful they had to go into town to get some supplies and so they went into town and in the town was a casino and so that gentleman uh they they went to the casino uh to uh to get some 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 food there, there's a food there and one guy said you know it's great food in the casino great food in the casino and everybody else went oh yeah let's go Let's go. So they went into the casino. They went four consecutive trips. Well, unbeknownst to them, this one brother had a gambling problem. They didn't know. They had a gambling, he had a gambling problem. The second, third, and fourth time they went, he would disappear and go to the casino, making excuse to go in town. He would go to the casino, and he, he would play his money, start losing money. The problem was the fourth time he went, he won. He won a car and won a lot of money. The car was delivered to his house. He had made his wife a promise that he would never gamble again because it cost them everything the first time around. And once his wife, that new car showed up, and she said, where did that car come from? Because it says it comes from the casino. You see, to these men... They didn't think, it, there's nothing wrong, all things, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Ladies and gentlemen, they didn't know. But I promise you, the same spirit that was in their brother helping him fight that addiction was in their life. And I cannot believe that the spirit was so short-sighted that he didn't convict one of those men. And that's why we must live and not make fun of what people don't do and don't marginalize them and then don't judge people because all of us, and if you would, look at verse number 15, uh, Romans chapter 14 and verse 15, I'm two minutes over. I know and am persuaded, excuse me, but if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. So go to verse five and we're gonna end with this. This is why when you are fully persuaded that something's okay in your life, you must take into the ingredient in this persuasion 
how it impacts the other brother. So part of this last thing ingredient you need to kind of sprinkle, sprinkle in or squeeze in to this persuasion, this all things, this some things. You know what you're supposed to sprinkle in? How? I compare in relation to keeping somebody from spiritually growing around me or going back into sin. This is the only way that people can coexist in a church. This is the only way. And what you're going to find out is your brother will sharpen you. That's why the Bible says iron sharpeneth what? Iron. First, one of the first questions man asks God, am I my brother's keeper? Yep, you are. You are. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.